This is the Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast as a service to the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves former collegiate athletes facing medical needs and financial challenges. Your tax-deductible contribution will change the life of a former college sports hero. Please give online at negreats.org. And now, here's your host, Ross Jernstrom. You are listening to the Nebraska Greats, a podcast produced by the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves collegiate athletes facing medical need and a financial challenge. Learn more or give generously at www.negreats.org. Hi again, everyone. I'm Ross Jernstrom, longtime sportscaster at KTV and WWT. I covered the Huskers for over 40 years. And my guest today is former Husker Guy Ingalls, who played at Nebraska from 1967 to 1970. When he left Lincoln in 1970, he was the school's all-time leading receiver with 74 catches for 1,157 yards and 11 touchdowns. Please welcome to the Nebraska Greats Foundation broadcast number 88, Guy Ingalls. Guy, welcome. Thank you, Ross. I appreciate you having me. And thanks to Matt, too. Well, let's go back to when you became a Husker. And it dates back to when you were a senior at Westside High School. And a lot of people remember that one game where you stood out and you got a scholarship offer to Nebraska. And let's go back to Berkwood Stadium. Westside played Omaha Tech and Johnny Rogers. And Westside won that game 44-14. to Guy, what stood out about that game for you? Well, I, I was amazed that they weren't smart. In retrospect, or reflection, I was amazed that they weren't smart enough to have Johnny on offense. Uh, Johnny was playing defense. Actually, he was a linebacker. And uh, I don't even think he returned kicks. But we, we got the better of him. It was a, it was a Wednesday night game. It was teachers convention week. So they had Thursday and Friday off uh, to do things around the school and the, the students were off. So it was like a Friday night game, except we had a short week and tech was rated number one. And I think we were probably three or four at the time and, and maybe uh, maybe a little lower as far as the Metro at that time. Uh, but we just, it was one of those games where it kind of snowballed on them uh, for us and, uh, and, I managed to score four touchdowns and I think there were two Nebraska football coaches in this, in the stands. I think it was Cletus Fisher and Jim Ross is, is my recollection. And, uh, uh, that was, that would have been about the third week in October. And I think that Tom Osborne and Cletus Fisher came to my house in the first week in December, uh, and offered the scholarship in my home, uh, in, with my parents and I, uh, sitting there. And, uh, uh, I, I really had gotten a lot of, uh, interest from smaller schools, but once Nebraska offered, I, I felt like, you know, I was probably going to be a receiver and not a running back because of my size. And I think Tom even mentioned that that night in talking to my parents, cause I was 145 pounds at the time. And the running backs in Nebraska were Oh, somewhere between 215 and 225. And they were in a full house backfield. So it was like a wishbone, except the backs were straight across. And it was an unbalanced line and only one wide receiver. And, and they ran the ball heavily. 
uh, Freeman White and Tony Jeter probably started to change their minds about throwing the ball about the time they were there in 63. And by the time 67 rolled around, um, you know, we were throwing the ball probably 25 times a game or so. Uh, but we, in 69, we switched to the I formation uh, because of Tom. And Johnny was a sophomore. So he was now in Lincoln and, and he, he and I were the wide receivers and the spread formation had two wide receivers and uh, kind of the rest of the rest of the thing is history. And, and uh, there were a big difference between 67 and 69 were two very good quarterbacks in Van Bronson and Jerry Taggy. Uh, and we had not been able to throw the ball very well in 67 and 68. And then all of a sudden 69, with a spread formation and the I formation and the I slot, uh, we th we threw the ball about 25 times a game, and and we were completing, uh, I think about 62 or 63 percent of our throws, which at that point in time was pretty outstanding. As yeah, in those days, about, I want to ask you about one particular game in that 1969 season, sure. October 25th. You're playing Oklahoma State, mm -hmm. and you have five receptions for 163 yards, which mm -hmm. was a record at the time. It was a, a yardage record at the time for a single game. Yeah. Tell me about that game. What happened? Well, you know, I'm not sure. We Oklahoma State was very good. We ended up winning the game 13-3, to three, so it's not like we scored a lot of points, but we didn't give them very many. And I had one really long pass uh, off a scramble from Jerry Taggy and another out and up a touchdown pass from Van Bronson uh, in the second half. Uh, and that ended up being a touchdown, uh, but five catches for 163. And, and we, we had, I think, pretty close to 200 yards passing, but we only had 13 points. But the fact is we, 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 we hit them deep. And uh, Johnny was a freshman that year. So he wasn't, he wasn't in that game. And I was lucky enough to, uh, to set the yardage record for a single game at that point. Uh, it's kind of where I got the nickname guy, the fly. I think <laughs> Van Bronson, Van Bronson said, well, he's like a little fly out there running around and, and, uh, uh, but he knows where he's going and he knows how to run routes and blah, 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 blah. Some other quarterback BS, you know, and, uh, and it ended up working out and then, and it was a, it was a fun game and, and, uh, uh, I think it helped a little bit in momentum. It was at home. Uh, we still had to play Kansas down the road a couple games, and that ended up being a, a pretty important game uh, in Lincoln as that was the start of the, the nine wins in a row, 33-year uh, 33 win, win streak at nine wins in a row, and that was a big deal, and McFarland was, was interfered with on a pass that was probably 15 yards over his head. <laughs> and, and Emory Hicks got a personal foul. So that was another 15. And then I got up after a play, a running play, and I'm just trotting back to the huddle. And one of their defensive backs KO'd me from the side, blind side, knocked me down. And there was another 15 yards. And then pretty soon Kenny's going in the end zone. And then and we got Kansas on the ropes. Well, that's, so a was, you know, we had a lot of things fall into place and, and, uh, the biggest thing, though, was the two quarterbacks coming in 69, the switch to the I formation, which ended up being very effective for a lot of years, and Johnny coming in, in, in 70 as a sophomore, 
kind of set the table for some things that people hadn't seen before in Lincoln or anywhere else for that matter. Uh, and, and on top of that, we were, we were great on defense in 69 and 70. Uh, if I didn't mention that Murtaugh take me to task <laughs> later on about that. So uh, he, he doesn't think that the offense ever won a game, you know, but <laughs> other than that, uh, he's, he's been, he was a great teammate and a wonderful leader on defense and, you know, and then the next year, he actually said to the writers in the in the August of 1970, somebody asked him, he said, how do you think you're going to do? And he said, I think we're going to win the national title. Yeah. Just like that. And then five minutes later, I think he was he was having his first altercation with Bob Devaney about uh, why are you telling those writers that? Now we've got a target on our back. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you look back at that 1970 season, you know, you have that uh, tie against Southern Cal, but you guys mm-hmm. really pulled it together and uh, went on yeah. a run. What was the difference between the 69 and the 70 team? Did you guys, what was the Not, lottery there, line? There was, as far as pure talent, there wasn't a great deal of difference. The 69 seniors, Al Larson, Dana Stevenson, uh, Gail Williams, Mike Wynn, uh, Mike Green. I mean, there were a, there were a lot of good players in '69 that kind of helped us set the table in '70. And then I think once we we played, we outplayed Southern Cal. We probably should have won the game 24-21. Uh, I had a good game. I grew up in LA. My parents were UCLA fans. They were in the stadium. It was it was a fun win or a fun tie. And uh, uh, I think I remember looking out there at, at their offensive huddle, and I thought man, those are the biggest guys I've ever seen. And yet our defense held their own with them all night long. And uh, Johnny had a good game. I had a good game. Joe Arduna and Jeff Kinney both played well. I think Joe Arduna went 60 yards for a touchdown, uh, which put us up uh, at the time, I think, 14 to 7 or 14 to 10, something like that. So, yeah, I think once that game was over, then I think, you know, they had already beaten Alabama. So uh, I think we knew we could play with just about anybody. And the 69 victory at Oklahoma was also a big, a big key. Uh, I never saw Bob happier than I did after that game, because the year before was the worst, vic- the worst loss in Bob Devaney's coaching career. And it was in Norman in 68, 47 to Zippola. And the next, I remember on the way home, I was talking to Don Bryant, Ross, and I said, boy, it'd be sure nice to have those guys back in Lincoln next year. And he, he looks right at me and he says, he says, guys, says, we're going back to Norman next year. I said, what's that about? He goes, <laughs> it's a big eight scheduling quirk. And I about was going to call up the big eight commissioner and tell him to get his, you know what, out of his, you know what. <laughs> so we go back, we go back down there and Steve Owens is going to win the Heisman. He gained 147 yards against us in the 47 to nothing loss. He's got he's had 18 games in a row of 100 yards rushing or more. We go to Norman. He gets 58 yards rushing on 19 carries or something. Jerry Murtaugh says to him the same thing that he said to Murtaugh the year before. At one point in time when the score is about 47 to nothing, he goes, Jerry, he says, how's your day going? <laughs> After running over him. And the next, the next year in, in Norman, it's the fourth quarter. It's 44 to 14. We're going to roll. And Jerry picks him up and says, hey, Steve, he says, how's your day going? 
<laughs> that's the truth. And and Steve still went on to win the Heisman Trophy, and and he was hell on wheels as a running back. Oklahoma was good, and and we beat them, and that was a that was a solid victory. And then we followed that up with a Georgia scrimmage against them, forty five to six, and I think we were rolling. And then in the summer, the guys had a great you know nobody went anywhere. Everybody stayed in town. I had a summer job in construction. I was working construction on St. Elizabeth's Hospital. Never forget that. I'd get off of work. I just dead as a doornail. And we'd go to the stadium and the AstroTurf was in. The brand new AstroTurf was in. And the, the quarterbacks would grab the footballs and we'd run around throwing passes for two hours after a pretty hard day's work. And in that the AstroTurf at that time in August, Ross, they didn't have any stripes on it. It was just green. It was green from one end to another and one sideline to another. And that stuff was the greatest thing I ever saw. I mean, for a guy my size and with some quickness and speed, we he could jump out of the gym. The linemen didn't like it very much, but the running backs and the and the run and the wide receivers and people like that just thought it was like we died and went to heaven. Let's wrap up that 1970 season and go down to January 1st, New Year's night at the Orange Bowl in Miami. You're facing LSU. Right. Um, they're ranked fifth in the country. You're ranked third. Mm -hmm. A couple teams ahead of you lose. Yep. Day. Yep. You guys have a chance to win the national championship. Kind of yep. set the scene for us. Well, you know, we, we actually found out uh, right as we got to the stadium, I think, or maybe shortly after we got to the stadium, we found out that. Stanford had beaten Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, which was the later game. And we already knew that Notre Dame had beaten Texas. And so those two things had to fall into place. So then we were the last undefeated team in the country, but we had to take care of business. And I, I think on offense, I've talked to Tom about this many, many times, but we didn't play very well on offense. We should have beat them. We should have beat them 35 to 10 or something like that. And But we turned the ball over. We had a bunch of stupid penalties in the first half. And they were just good enough on defense that we let them think – we let them hang around. And then at the end, I think we did – we had one good drive at the end, and Jerry scored the winning touchdown. And then I think the defense stopped LSU cold twice in a row. And and one of them was, was – uh, the running back was running around, and Willie Harper got the running back and stole the ball from him right out of his mitts and then he went running around in circles for a couple minutes before he went down and then it was about over and uh, uh so it was i think the defense was as much uh responsible as for that win as the offense in the oklahoma game uh when we beat oklahoma and lincoln 28 to 21 it was it was a both side of the victory and at the end the defense intercepted the ball in the end zone and uh, in 70, you know, they, they were like everybody else we played. They didn't have an answer for Johnny. And, uh, and that ended up being the case for the next couple of years. What was the reception like in Lincoln when you got back? Uh, well, we, you know, first of all, we, we got to stay, we got to stay two extra days in Miami because of the snowstorm in Lincoln. So we actually laid around the beach for another couple of days and, uh, and then I, myself, and Dan Schneiss and Paul Rogers went to Tampa and played in, a, played in an all-star game with Coach Devaney. That was the next weekend. 
So I don't know when Bob got back, but the team got back. I'm guessing about the game was Friday night or Saturday night. And I think the team got back to Lincoln probably Tuesday. And and Paul and I and Dan Schneis had already driven to Tampa. They gave us a rental car and told us to drive up to Tampa for the All-Star game. So all I know is I've seen all the films and the pictures and the videos. And it was a pretty wild celebration. And uh, and then later on, they had something organized, you know, in the in the at the Devaney Center. Yeah, the president came and all of that. And that was wild. And listening to Murtaugh and Schneis talk about that worth the price of admission. <laughs> the, sec- the Secret Service was, you know, now don't don't shake hands with the president unless he sh- unless he sticks his hand out. You know, <laughs> you're not supposed to touch him not, not unless he sticks his hand out. Well, I think I actually think Nixon was pretty happy to be there. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I think I think both both uh, Bob and and Dan and Murtaugh had a pretty good time with him. Yeah. And uh, it, it was it was I remember they had there must have been seven thousand, eight thousand people in the old barn, the old field house where they played basketball and where volleyball was for years and years and years. And uh, it was it was it was a hoot. I mean, it was it was really something. And and. Uh, you know, it's been part of my life ever since that day, 50 some years ago. And uh, people still bring it up and they, they, oh, yeah, you were on the first national title team. And that's all I ever say is I was on the first one. I don't I don't get it confused with 71 or 95 or 96 or any of those. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're a bunch of people in the right place at the right time, Ross. Wonderful coaching staff. Devaney's staff was just peerless i mean they were great from all the defensive coaches all the offensive coaches cleet fisher carl selmer john melton jim ross i mean it was a it was a who's who of nebraska football in those days and you know there were a couple of teams in 63 and 65 that were one were one win away from a national title and they came awful close and some of those teams i remember i was in junior high and high school watching them they were they had great football teams, and they just ran into somebody a little better uh, in the bowl game. Well, this Saturday is the annual red-white spring game, and I've got to ask you, what were the spring games like back in those days? You know, we had 20 practices instead of 15, and actually I used to think we had 30 practices because at times I used to talk to my buddies, and I'd say, Jesus, when is spring ball going to be over? You know, and we're just Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday scrimmage, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday scrimmage. And the spring games, you know, there might be 2,500 people there, you know, mostly parents and, and maybe girlfriends or fraternity brothers or people that we went to school with. And it was normally a beautiful day in May, you know, maybe the first or second weekend in May. And we practiced for five or six weeks and made a lot of headway. I mean, I remember. My, my junior year, when I was going to start, I, I had a great spring. I was, I was penciled in as number one. Uh, they recruited a junior college split end, uh, which I never let Tom Osborne hear the, hear the last about. And, uh, but we had, a great, we had a great spring, and we, we kept people healthy. We scrimmaged every Saturday, but we kept people healthy. I can't remember losing a starter. In, in 69 or 70 in spring ball. And I, and I think in 71, the case would have been the same. 
you know, they just had a way of, of once the season started, we weren't going to hit. We were going to condition and we were going to repetition and repetition. And I was going to catch 100 balls a day. And until I did, I didn't leave the field. But they weren't hitting us. They weren't mistreating us. Uh, we had great meetings. We had great coaches, great film study, good scouting reports. And that, you know, that I remember thinking when I was a junior, Ross, and I said this to a few people, I said, we may get beat, but there's no way we're going to be outcoached. Yeah. And I remember feeling that right down into it. There was just no way. We were better coached than anybody we played, including Oklahoma and Kansas and K-State in those days and Colorado. We were just, we were better. And, and we were better in the offseason. Uh, you know, there's not that much to do in Lincoln. So it was a football all the time, all the time. And, and the fans were the same way then that they are now. They're just more of them and they're more vocal. <laughs> Guy, uh, I got to ask you about the, the future of the Huskers right now. Scott Frost starting his fourth season now. Sure. Uh, just give me your thoughts on where do you think the Huskers are headed? Well, I've, I think they've been in the right direction since day one. Uh, I'm like everybody else. I've been a little frustrated with the performance on the field, especially because a lot of it is is special teams and turnovers and penalties and stuff like that. Uh, but I also know that we were in pretty dire straits when he got the job. There wasn't any talent down there. there no all-conference players, no All-Americans, no draft choices. I mean, he didn't have anything. And now, now we've got a few. I went to practice a week and a half ago. I watched the whole thing. I was there for two hours and 15 minutes. They were in pads, and they're a bunch better-looking bunch in practice than they were a year ago or the, or the year before that or the year before, which I've been to practice every year. I don't, I don't need to go to every practice, but I'll watch the game on TV Saturday. I'm not going down there. Uh, but I, I think he's doing that. I think what people have failed to maybe grasp is how good the Big Ten is. And this is a much different animal than in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s or even the 2000s. This outfit is 10 or 11 really good football teams. When 25 years ago or 15 years ago or 30 years ago, there were two good teams and the rest of them were patsies. The well, rest of well, them weren't any good. Well, and we played uh, Wisconsin and Indiana and those people and got Michigan in a bowl game. I mean, we were better than they were. And, and now every coach in the Big Ten is a good coach. And every facilities, the, I mean, if, if, if we're spending 155 in the next couple of years, Northwestern just got done spending 110. Now, 30 years ago, Northwestern didn't have 110 bucks, let alone 110 million. And now, you know, this he's a good enough coach that they're going to beat Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State one of these days. We got to beat them in Iowa and Wisconsin before we worry about those other guys. But I think the Big Ten is better than it's ever been, top to bottom. I'd take them over the SEC, top to bottom. You got to remember that in the, in the SEC, you still got Mississippi State and a few of those people that that really aren't that good. And if you take Ohio State and and Penn State, most of the time they can go toe to toe with anybody in the country, including Alabama. Well, they're not going to win very often. As long as Alabama keeps getting eleven guys drafted, they're going to be the best. Guy, um, 
thanks for being a part of this. Just one last question. Sure. What does it mean to have played at the University of Nebraska and be among the Nebraska greats that everybody remembers? You know, nothing's changed in 50 years. Uh, I remember one time I signed an autograph. This one when my kids were pretty little and my, my littlest daughter at the time, who just to put it in perspective, is getting married next month at age 35. She said, is, she said to mom, she said, is, is dad famous? And she said, not to us. <laughs> but no, it's, it's been part of my life for 50 years. And, and uh, my friends bring it up to this day. Uh, they kid me more than they, they just, they're happy that, that I was there at the time. And when I think of all the teammates that I'm going to see this fall at the reunion, of the 70-71 championship teams. I I just can't even wait to see them. And there's, you know, there's 10 or 15 that are deceased. And I've been, I told Tom Osborne last week at practice, I said, you know, I can't, I've been thinking about the reunion for a year. And I said, the closer it gets, it seems like I'm thinking more about the guys that aren't going to be there than the guys that are going to be there. But we'll toast them all when we get there. And um, it'll be special. Well, Guy, thank you so much for joining us today. Ladies and gentlemen, that's number 88, the split end, Guy the Fly, Ingalls. Guy, thanks for joining us today. You betcha. Thank Matt. Thank you, Ross. And uh, good luck with all the podcasts. And uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Okay. Thanks, Guy. This podcast today is produced by the Nebraska Greats Foundation. If you are or know of a former collegiate athlete from any of the 16 four-year college or universities in Nebraska who has a medical need and a financial challenge, please refer them to www.anygreats.org. Again, yeah, tell them if they, if they don't do that, Murtaugh's going to come and find them. <laughs> okay? <laughs> All right. That's Guy Ingalls. I'm Ross Sternstrom. Thanks for joining us on the Nebraska Greats Foundation podcast. This has been Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast serving the Nebraska Greats Foundation. You can find each episode on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please give generously to serve Nebraska's former sports heroes in need at anygreats.org. And be sure to follow the Any Greats on Facebook and Twitter.